guys, welcome to another episode of Costa Rica Real Estate and Investments with me, your host, Richard Beckson. Uh, we've got a great podcast as always today. I want to thank, thank everybody for their support. Say Happy New Year. Uh, it was a great year last year uh, for 2021. Uh, we had over 40,000 downloads by the end of the year. Um, absolutely insane. I was not expecting that in our first year of doing the podcast. And everyone that I speak to that listens to them, uh, thanks me uh, and all of our guests gratefully for getting that information out there. It's um, it's it's a pleasure to be doing it for you guys. And again, if there's any other topics that you'd like me to cover, you can contact me directly at info at investingcostarica.com. That's info at investingcostarica.com. I'm starting to get quite a bit of emails from you guys, so appreciate it. Well, today we're going to be talking to Melissa Santana. Um, she was our guest on episode 32, if you guys remember. She's an engineer and the owner of SGI Engineers in Costa Rica. She works all over Costa Rica, helping people basically build, refurbish, uh, and create their dream properties and home and homes, hotels, you know, and anything commercial. So she's a great source, great resource with amazing English, um, as you guys are about to find out, um, which is, you know, it's not difficult to come by, but uh, especially with someone that speaks great English here, um, you know, can be. Um, so um, you can imagine that she's in hot demand. So we're going to be covering stuff of kind of what's happening in the industry, also going to be covering home inspection, buying land here as well. Quite a few land deals are starting to occur here, just because again, inventory is running out. So people are looking to develop their own properties. Um, so just wanted to kind of cover that uh, as well. Um, I think important and also home inspections as well, uh, because I think there are two different levels of home inspections here. Uh, and the price difference is not huge, uh, but can have a huge impact for you guys uh, when it comes to closing. So remember, if you have any questions uh, for Melissa or for me, uh, all the contact details will be in the description down below. Um, and uh, let's get straight into it. Good morning, Melissa. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Richard? Very good. Very good. It's an absolute pleasure to have you back on the podcast. Thanks for making the time for us. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Well, let's get straight into it, Melissa, as I know that you're busy and your uh, your time is valuable, especially these days with the amount of work that everyone has going on. Um, but we I think we spoke probably about six months ago, but I mean, has anything changed in those last six months since we spoke? Any interesting trends that you're seeing? Well, six months ago, there was a lot of construction going on. Um, I believe right now, a lot of design is being brought into the scene because people want to invest in Costa Rica and build here. So um, since the pandemic, everything's a little bit more stabilized, if you can say it that way, but um, People are um, reactivating their projects. So we're back to the design board. Wow. Well, it's amazing. I was speaking to a uh, financial, I would say, wizard yesterday in San Jose. I got a friend who works on the finance side. He was saying the city and the economy in the city is not doing too great. It's not like amazing. You know, they're saying unemployment here is about 20%. But, you know, I think out at the beaches, you know, in the areas, um, you know, and especially with the with the tourists kind of coming in and foreigners kind of investing here, you know, it's a completely different, you know, um, perspective that we're seeing. Correct. I've been traveling a lot to Guanacaste because there's a lot of work over there. Also in the south area, yep. Bayosa. Yep, like Uvita Dominical area. Exactly. 
Wow. Yeah, I saw the other day that there was this, somebody sent me this thing about this plan that these uh, US developers have in the Aussie to build 1,800 homes. And I giggled at it. And the reason I giggled at it was because I'm like, number one, there's no way Costa Rica is going to allow 1,800 homes in the Aussie Peninsula. Just from an environmental study point of view, it just reminds me of when the Discovery Project came into Costa Rica and said they were going to build, they were going to invest a billion dollars into Costa Rica. Build, and I just, again, I giggled. Unless I see something actually move here, something happen, you know, I don't believe it. Um, at most things so um, you know it's again Ritz Carlton one and only you know they've been talking about those for years and years there's a Radisson lot up there in Guanacaste as well um, you know and they actually came to me to raise the capital for them so I know that they are not moving anytime soon yeah, because I said not because they've got me doing it but just because um, you know I, I'm, I, it's not that's not my cup of tea but um, I mean how has your business changed in the last six months Melissa I mean you mentioned there that a lot of it's kind of moving towards Guanacaste but I mean are you seeing a change in the type of work you're doing? Um, yes uh, right now I'm working simultaneously on two glamping projects. Oh wow. Yep so that's kind of going up in the trends glamping. <laughs> One's in Monteverde and the other one is in Osa. Oh wow that's awesome. Yeah. God. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually just finishing. I'm about to kick off my project on Monday. I go um, to the to the site um, basically with the daughter up in daughter and doing like luxury A frames. So uh, so yeah, but uh, but yeah, glamping domes, you know, stuff that's just very quick to take up. I'm surprised yurts have not taken off here as well. You know, Mongolian style yurts, um, but maybe it's a little too warm in some some areas for the yurts, but. Uh, that's interesting that you're seeing glamping, just because I think that, again, Costa Rica is a great, great glamping destination. Um, I also saw tents suspended up, like, high above in the canopy. There's actually, like, tents that, like, connect to trees, which I thought was pretty interesting, yeah. um, you know, that you're suspended there. So I think the more unique stuff that we get here in Costa Rica, I think this is a great country for unique product. Exactly. So... Uh, well, let's just talk about home inspections a bit here. Um, the reason being is, Melissa, I recently contacted you, contracted you to do a, a home inspection, which you'll be doing at the end of January here. Um, you know, I've done home inspections before for properties when people have bought them, um, you know, and I think that there are two levels of home inspections here. There is a kind of, you know, random person that goes in, takes pictures. Maybe it's not that they don't do this. They've worked in construction maybe a bit. Um, and then there's also what you guys kind of offer from a, you know, electrical, mechanical and structural engineering kind of more of a, uh, a home inspection. Give us some, just give me an idea about like, you know, the differences between the two uh, and then also the cost differences between the two, if you don't mind. Okay. For example, the first home inspection you described, it's something I could do by myself. Yep. Like I said, I've worked in construction, design, et cetera. So I have a little bit of knowledge about electrical and mechanical and structural, of course, since I'm a civil engineer. But um, I'm not an electrical engineer and I'm not a mechanical engineer. So even if I see something is wrong, I might not see everything that is wrong with the electrical or mechanical installation. Um, I do not know the code, um, the electrical code, for example, line by line, which an electrical engineer does. So if the construction is fairly new or if the client doesn't want to invest as much as they want uh, as a big inspection costs they usually say no I'm, I'm okay with the visual um electrical and mechanical inspection that you can give me um that one usually goes around 400 dollars 
for all three, um, all three areas with just one professional. But if we compare it to a complete um, inspection report with three engineers, mechanical, electrical, civil, each one of us just stay in our own area. So I check everything to detail, which would be structural. And I also check the architectural part, making sure the doors, windows, everything's working properly. The electrical engineer checks the power outlets, making sure they're correctly wired. They check the circuit board, making sure it's up to code. If that, which is something important. If the house is quite old, we had a different code um, years back. Yep. So we, we kind of like check, okay, when it was constructed, yes, we are up to code. Um, they also give recommendations, you know, if the ground wire should be added, especially where the electric meter is, if something's missing, etc. Um, the color codes, if they're up to par or not. Um, on mechanical level, we check the pumps, make sure they're working properly, if there's any signs of leaks. Um, basically, it's a more detailed inspection. Um, in time, it takes the same amount of time, but it's three deep three different people doing it at the same time yeah so it's a little bit more complete the idea of the inspections is to prevent um, problems that you wouldn't have thought of at the moment of buying them so if we see something that's wrong um, that gives us an idea of the construction quality that was taken into place when the house was built um, we've seen cases of, you know, you arrive and there's this large construction and you see it's beautiful on the outside. And as soon as we start making the inspection, okay, everything's completely wrong with it. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like a recommendation. Okay, yes, um, it's okay to buy, you know, there's no major risk of hidden vices. There's always a risk because they're oh. hidden, you know, it's, yep. it's, it's impossible. We're not going to tear the walls down to check the pipes, etc. But um, we also give the recommendation. Okay, no, this house. If you want to buy it, you know, you have to invest at least forty percent of the value or something like that to fix it because yeah, you know, there's a lot of yeah. I mean. Typically what I found with just, again, a regular home inspection, it is kind of more of a visual, you know, they're not going that deep. And usually the person doing it is not an engineer as well. Just sometimes maybe they've done this before in another country, or maybe they haven't. They've just kind of, you know, they're a handyman that kind of does this stuff. So I think getting a deeper inspection, and I mean, we're not talking, you know, I mean, typically you'd mentioned 400 bucks there. I mean, on a recent one that we did, it cost like, I think it was about 650, $700, um, you know, uh, kind of up in Guanacaste. Um, but how much do you guys charge for your more detailed, you know, again, electrical, mechanical and structural engineering uh, inspection? For the detailed, it runs at nine, $900 in the central area, you know, in yep. the city. Yep. But if we go out, depending yep. on the area, it's around 1200 or 1300 to cover all yep. the expenses of going up. I think it's smart to get a more detailed inspection done, especially when looking at roofs here in Costa Rica as well, roof structures. I think it's really important to look at that stuff just because, again, you know, a lot of it's made out of purling uh, with zinc or maybe tile on top, you know. So, I mean, I always like to, to get more of a detailed uh, home inspection. That's why, again, I got you guys to coming up there Jan 19th to take a look. And this house is brand new. I mean, it's brand spanking new, but still 
you know, it's I'd rather take a look at it right now and make sure that, you know, I's are dotted and T's are crossed uh, than, you know, than basically the people buying it find out later that something's wrong and, you know, they point the finger at me. So, uh, so. yeah. Well, let's just jump on, Melissa, if you don't mind me asking, to buying land here and building in Costa Rica. As I'd mentioned in the introduction, you know, there's a lot, there's a not tons of property, uh, there's not tons of finished product available at the moment. I think a lot of new stuff is going to start to come on the market, but a lot of people are looking now to buy land. What advice would you give to people before buying land? Okay, do the proper due diligence. What is the proper due diligence? There's a document called Uso de Suelo, which is like soils use. It's not the same as the soil study. A lot of people get that confused. Yep. Um, the soils used, it's given by the government um, municipality. It tells you what you can build, if you want to do commercial, if you want to do residential, or if it's just agricultural, agricultural land. Um, and that gives you the parameters if you want to do five homes on a thousand square meter lot and the uso de suelo says, okay, no, the population density, it only allows you one home. Yep. So it's not worth the investment. Um, so basically the uso de suelo, it's like the Bible for design. Yep. Another thing to ask for is the water availability because we need that document for permits. Sometimes people say, oh yes, but we already have water in the land. You still need the document for permits. And usually the water availability indicates what it's for. It's not the same amount of water you're gonna need for a home as you're gonna need for a hotel with six rooms, for example. So you need the water availability for whatever you wanna do. That way you are sure that they're gonna give you all the permits. And electrical availability can also be asked for. If it's in a remote area, that's really important. Um, if you have, if the terrain is not flat, um, it would be best to have a topography study, but that's not mandatory. It's always best to have it because, you know, visually you can get a different perspective of how the terrain actually is. And that sums up to the amount you have to invest when you're building. Yep. Um, also, another thing you should do is if it's in a coastal area, there are vulner vulnerability areas where they don't let you build anything. Yep. So it's always good to have um, that already defined. You know, uso de suelo usually tells you. Um, for example, in Tamarindo, there's no regulating plan. So they just say, oh, adjust to the national regulations. Yep. But Tamarindo has a lot of vulnerability. So what, what do you mean you know, Tamarindo has a lot of vulnerability? What do you mean by that? Yes, there's um, vulnerable areas where you can't build. Okay. So basically where it's already built, um, that's just an example, you know, it's yeah, all around the coastal area. Yep. Um, basically, where it's already built, you can see on the map, there's like a green area. Uh, yeah, okay. you can build there. Yep. But if you step out of that green area, you can't build anymore. So you might see a construction site here and you see a lot next to it. And you're like, oh, this is perfect. But turns out that lot is not buildable because it's high vulnerability. But would you get that on the Ursula Suelo? Meaning, I mean, again, if you would, would the Ursula Suelo tell you that or not? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. Um, I had a client that he was going to buy a terrain and 
um, when we asked for the vulnerability, okay, if it's basically low vulnerability, you can build a house and everything else, medium, extreme, high, you can't build anything. So the map that you can download online from Senara, it's a little bit general. Yep. So we got the expertise from a geological engineer. Yep. And he set it up and basically just a corner of the lot is in the vulnerable area. So it's like, okay, you can buy it, but you can't build it everywhere, you know? What about, what about a soil study and a survey of the land before buying? What's your opinion on those two things? Okay, the soil study is, I believe it's not mandatory depending on where the site is. Okay. Because if it's kind of flat and you can basically, you know, do a mat foundation and build from the ground up, um, it can what's be something. A, what's a mat foundation, if you don't mind me asking, Melissa? A mat foundation is a structural solution we use when the terrain is not really stable. Okay. So basically we put in gravel, a thick layer of gravel, and then pour in the concrete with okay. beans and the steel reinforcements. Okay. But we pour in the concrete. So basically it's like, like you iron the ground, you okay. know, and all the pressure from the house, it's spread yep. evenly throughout the mat. So it's really stable. Okay. If the terrain is not flat and you want and you need to do cantilevers or overhangs across the mountain, yes, then yeah, then yes, definitely. We need a soil study um, and grade stabilization study to make sure that the mountain is stable and it's not going to go down. Um, and the topography study, that is also one of the due diligence because sometimes they tell you, oh, yes, these are the boundaries of the terrain. Yep. And if you if it if you see the plan, you know it might be a little bit different. You might be either winning or losing some meters here or there. So that's always a good um, a good practice. Also, um, with the topography study, we can see if there's any inconsistencies with the terrain. Um, it's not very occasional. It's rare, but it does happen that um, there are disputes regarding where your boundaries are and that can bring a whole project down okay so you would you would suggest again if you're buying land it's an also sweller which is basically zoning i suppose that they would call it in the us what you can do with it there mm -hmm. is again the water availability letter uh, and you need to make sure that you're getting that for what it is that you're building as well meaning if it only says that you can do a single residence then like you can only do a single residence um, also, you'd suggest basically getting, you know, potentially an a electrical availability uh, letter as well, um, you know, um, and also uh, a survey done of the property as well by a topographer. Uh, and then you'd suggest again, potentially, you know, getting a soil study done, but it's not absolutely necessary. Correct. Okay, great. Mining land is more difficult than, uh, than, than probably most people thought here, right? Yes, um, I it's to make sure everything's okay and your investment is protected. That's it. That's it. You know, it's again, it's, uh, I think the word is trust, but verify as I like to use here uh, with most things. So now let's talk about when it comes to building here in Costa Rica, what do you think people should consider when building? Uh, you know, what are the things that people really don't think about when building here in Costa Rica or very surprised and, you know, and how long will the process take from start to finish? Okay. If you already have all the previous due diligence, um, if you're building a home, the process can take at least a month 
Right. And it could go up to three months, depending on the municipality. That's for permits, right? Yes, for yeah. permits. If you're building something larger, if you're building, like if you're planning a condominium, you bought a big land and you were going to divide, that can take up to six months to a year and a half because it goes to different institutions that check the zoning and what you're going to do, right? Um, if you're going to build something commercial or industrial, um, if it's big, you need Setena. Setena, it's the, um, it's the, the, it's the form that they ask for the like an environmental um, study right yes the environmental study that was the word thank you you're um if you're building more than a thousand square meters etc you need to fill out a different form that takes three to six months for you to get the availability or the viability of yeah. the project so if it's something commercial and small you can take just the same around three months to six months to get the permit. And if it's larger, then we're talking about six months to a year to get permits. Okay. But I mean, for a home here, it's usually pretty quickly with a local, <clears throat> you know, to get all the permits. Yes. I mean, if you're just building a home here, I mean, you probably, as you said, mentioned one to three months to get permitting. Yep. It's basically, if you have all the due diligence, um, you put in the plants into Sofia, which yep. is the professional college that takes no more than a week, week and a half if they, they have too many projects and then it goes into the municipality which some municipalities take a week to check a project some take some some take a month <laughs> and if they reject the permit for some reason then you have to put in whatever they ask for and that can take like another two weeks or a month yep. so that's why it's around a month to three, two, okay. three months so i mean it's going to take uh, <clears throat> i mean Again, getting your designs and everything done could probably take anything from, what, one month to three months, depending on how complicated you want from the beginning. Exactly. You know, then it's one to three months that, I mean, I'm talking at home here, one to three months on the design phase. Um, you know, as you mentioned there, one to three months on the actual permits here. Uh, and then to build again, probably could take, what, six months to a year, depending on what it is you're building. Depending on what it is that you're building. Okay, yeah. awesome. There's some constructions <clears throat> that are, you know, four months and you're ready. Okay. Depends on what you're building. Yeah, I mean, I spoke to a company the other day that's building kind of more modular prefab stuff, and they were like, yeah, we can have it done in 10 weeks. And I was like, wow, that's pretty quick, you know. Um, but again, they're not building in concrete. They're using steel frame with, the, you know, with the sheetrock. So, uh, right. so. Um, now let's just talk about you personally. I mean, where is your place in Costa Rica that you like to go to, Melissa? Where's your, like, you know, your escape? Where do you like, where do you go to? To the south. Bosa, yeah. Domenico, Uita. Okay. I really like that area because it's it's developed, but it's also virgin, you know. Your family has land down there, no, Melissa? Yes. Okay. Whereabouts is it, if you don't mind me asking? It's it's called San Luis de Morete. It's <laughs> 35 minutes from Uvita, 40 minutes from Dominical. Um, it's really virgin area, you know. <laughs> That's why I also enjoy it. It's my go-to place when I need to get away from the crazy. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, I mean, that area is developing pretty quickly as well. I mean, there's still a lot of, you know, restriction on what you can build there again, because a lot of rainforest around there, but it's absolutely beautiful and pristine and beautiful beaches. Yes. It's, so. it's, you know, if you want to go to the mountain, you're right at the mountain. And if you want to go down to eat, you're 30 minutes away, you go to a restaurant, you can eat. Um, if you want to go to the, to the beach, you're also 30 minutes away. Um, I know you got that in Guanacaste also, 
but um, when a casa, you don't feel like you're that isolated from everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's where I really like to go, you know? Awesome. Just- Melissa, what have you personally invested in and why? I would personally invest in land. What what have you personally invested in? I mean, mean, what have you done? Because again, I mean, a lot of people talk about investing, but don't do it. So I'm just really interested to figure out is like recently in the past couple of years, what have you invested in and why, if you don't mind me asking, you don't need to ask the question, but yes, I invested in apartments for rent. Yep. Um, So basically I invested in that because, you know, it's a steady income and residence is something you're always going to need um well the country you know it's always going to have that demand people need where to live and not everyone is able to buy their own place so for me it was like a safe investment and if i ever need to sell i can just sell you know i have the money there the active also the construction itself um but you know i i'm also thinking about land with um small constructions you know like a loft Yep. to rent out that's that's what's next for me in the horizon <laughs> awesome awesome well i mean it, interesting you mentioned that because i stayed in a place in playa grande the other week it was kind of between matapalo and grande up there <clears throat> and it was kind of like a loft style place and i asked the guy how much he um you know he built them for and he was like it's about fifty thousand dollars you know and i rented it for like 75 80 bucks a night but it was very comfortable inside brand new you know had a small kitchen living area, bathroom, then you went upstairs, it had like a mezzanine area with kind of like a desk in it and well as a pull-out couch and then a air-conditioned bedroom, you know, and this this was for $50,000 and I couldn't believe it, um, you know, so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, I think there's a lot of opportunity here in rentals, um, you know, I think it's just difficult sometimes when people aren't here in country uh, and especially with short-term rentals have to have a property management company just because the property management company takes about 20% of the income, so usually that's, you know, the profit gone there. Um, you know, a lot of the time, but, uh, but yeah, well, Melissa, my last question is I always like to, to, to ask people and, uh, I I really appreciate your time because I know I've taken uh, quite a bit of your time up here, but if you inherited $500,000 and had to invest it into a business or real estate in Costa Rica here, what would you do with it and why? Um, I would definitely, um, buy a nice terrain with, in the mountain with ocean view Yep. and I would build just what you described right now, small places, comfortable for travel nomads, you know, working nomads, um, both international and nationally. You know, right now I'm a travel nomad in Guanacaste because I've been going there. So, you know, it's really nice to to have that type of community, I would say. So I would try to build that community, you know, Um, small place where people can go travel work from there if they just want to work somewhere different and um manage that myself over there if i had the five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> of course of course well with the amount of work that you guys have got coming on your plate i'm sure you'll have that pretty quickly but well, <laughs> melissa it's been a pleasure having you on thanks again for your time uh anyone that wants to contact melissa i'll place all of her contact details in the description um and melissa have a great day thank you very much you too and you're welcome it was great talking to you again you too. See you soon. 
Hey guys, another great episode there. Of course, we could real estate and investments. That was a good one with Melissa uh, Santana. As you know, Melissa is a uh, engineer here. Um, I think important again for anyone that's looking to buy a property here in Costa Rica to get a very thorough um, home inspection done here. Again, some stuff has been built to code, some stuff has not. Um, you know, there's not deep home inspections when stuff gets signed off. So I think it's really important that you know, again, trust but verify. Dot your eyes and cross your t's uh, when buying anything here in Costa Rica. Um, I certainly do it with any clients that I work with that are looking to purchase here, um, you know, kind of hold their hands through the whole process there and just make sure everything goes very smoothly. Um, also, when buying land as well, uh, just again, dot your I's and cross your T's there, guys, make sure that you get your water availability letter. My suggestion is don't buy anything without water, um, you know, uh, unless it really you really know what it is that you're doing, uh, especially if you're going to be putting wells on it. Um, you know, if someone says water's coming, I probably wouldn't believe it until the water's there. As I've said, I don't believe anything in Costa Rica till it's actually happening. Uh, once you've been here for many years, I've been here for 17 years, you really understand that. So uh, there's a lot of chisme, a lot of talk here, um, and sometimes not a lot of action. So, but anyway, I think for anyone that wants to get in contact with me personally, you can do info at investingcostarica.com. That's info at investingcostarica.com. Uh, and I look forward to seeing you on future episodes, guys. Thanks very much. Bye.